0: Welcome to another episode of The Good Human Podcast. Today we're going to talk about CrossFit and all things CrossFit. So we've had a good number of questions in from people relating to their own experiences within that sport. And all the way from people who have not started to people who have been doing it for a long time and problems that they have within it or ambitions that they have Mm -hmm. within it. So, broad range of questions. First one is... CrossFit looks amazing, but I'm terrified of starting. I am really unfit, never having done any sport ever. I'm thirty-two year old female, help me. No. I think sweet. I feel like that's super common. Yeah.
1: I think CrossFit looks very intimidating to people that don't do it. But what I would say is just what a peak time. Like if you start, you can only get fitter. You know, and it's designed for beginners. Super beginner friendly. It's such a Nice
0: culture. I think, though, like, isn't it interesting? People don't watch Wimbledon and go, "Oh well, I couldn't do tennis; that looks too hard."
2: Yeah,
0: true. Like, they'll still go down the park and, like, recreationally hit the ball with a friend. Yeah. So, I don't know if it's the complexity of CrossFit that makes it intimidating.
1: Yeah, or people think they have to be able to lift that weight and lift the like. No, you can come and just lift the barbell; it's absolutely fine. Yeah,
0: I think. Um, I get it. Like, it's a mask for their anxiety. You know, so they're very anxious about starting something new in an environment with new people who all look like they know what they're doing mm-hmm. and all like, look, they all look the part, which, by the way, they like. that's so unfair. <laughs> <laughs> it's so unfair. Yeah. But I know from that person's individual point of view, it's very real. And they're looking for all these protective mechanisms to prevent them from going into that uncomfortable environment. Mm-hmm. So their brain will automatically go, yeah, I know you want to do this thing but how about we just don't because look how fit all those people are.
1: Yeah, It'll be so embarrassing for me if I
0: start. Do you know, if you listen to that little sort of secondary voice in your head, but you're going, but I want to do CrossFit. You've got this little voice going, are you sure? Because you're going to feel really stupid that first time you walk in. You're so unfit. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. everyone is going to stare at you wondering why you're there. But guess who that little secondary voice belongs to?
2: Just you, babe. It's just you, baby. It's just
0: you. you. <laughs> it is just you and it's like a protective narrative to stop you from having to step into an environment that makes you uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. People avoid so desperately looking stupid. The fear of looking stupid will hold you back from so much. One, it's a, just such a false fear because you never do. But also, you need to embrace it. You need to be bloody okay with being a beginner and not knowing what to do. And I feel like saying this, because people get this when mm-hmm. they're afraid to go to a gym and like, they're afraid of looking stupid. And I feel like, own it. Own it, the fact that you're a beginner. You don't know what you're doing, but you're bloody going to learn. Okay, and if any has got anything to say about it. <laughs> but nobody ever does. That. It's not. Uh, because and
2: they were all there once as here's well. Here's the
0: thing. Even if they did, it's not about you.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That'd be about them. Mm-hmm. And their own insecurities and their own ego and their own fears. Yeah. And if somebody was like, so say a family member said to you, oh, I don't know why you're doing that. Have you seen them? Have you seen those people at that gym? They all run around outside with their tops off, like looking like, oh, look at me, look at me. So see if a family member or somebody says or a work colleague mm-hmm. or whatever is says something like that to you. That is their fears. Mm-hmm. Do not let them pass their fears on to you. That is their insecurities, their fear about start. maybe their fear about you getting better, like in yourself and gaining confidence. Maybe they're scared that if you become more confident, physically fit, willing to go and do new things, willing to learn new things, maybe they don't look like such a shiny object then. Mm -mm. Maybe they start to pale in comparison. You know, so watch out for other people's projections onto you and that holding you back. Yep. Um, and you're right, CrossFit does look amazing. It is amazing.
1: Yeah, 100%. What I say to everybody as well, CrossFit's so broad, everybody is shit at something. Yeah. They're, you could have, like, a 250 deadlift come in and be terrible at gymnastics or not be able to do a handstand. Humbles everybody. So know that if you come in and you can't do things, you are in the same boat as the majority of the room. The majority.
0: I've just got that thing in my head. Where I've done CrossFit on and off for 15 years, thereabouts, and uh, when people are like, wow, (laughs) you must be really good at it. And deep inside I'm like, "No," my eyes welling up and I'm like, Thing is, is see if you do it long enough, you become worse at it. Oh, <laughs> um,
2: it's humbling,
0: it is humbling, like, and um, which it's some like this is something that I think might help a few people. CrossFit is incredibly humbling. See if you've got a, an active, like full on ego, you're not going to last five minutes in that no. environment. Mm-mm because you're going to very quickly find things that you'd struggle with, yep. things that are hard for you to learn. You're not magically going to be really good at everything. Some of the boundaries that you've set for yourself are going to get in your way. Yep. Like I've had... Oh, I guess I've met everybody since I've been doing this, but say somebody coming in and going, yeah, no, I don't get that squatting really low. I've had this conversation a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see why we have to squat so low. Uh, if I squat lower, I can't lift as much. Can you even hear yourself?
1: Yeah. Do you know what I was, like saying? It's like, I don't see why we have to bench press all the way to the chest. Like, can we not just come down a little bit? Like, that's I'm, I'm literally the same gonna logic. I'm not going to lie,
0: Beth, those people exist as well. But <laughs> <laughs> it it's the same logic. It really is. And I mean, if anybody needs the answer to that question, by the way, it's because your joints bend to a full range hopefully they do yeah if they don't you, that's another See that's a, no that's another question that's a mobility question or a strength deficit question um uh, so if you really do physically struggle to get lower in your squat and it's not just your ego stopping you yeah. then that is a different question but if you're just not squatting lower because it means you don't squat as much then you're doing yourself a massive disservice yeah. so if you squat to full depth at 100 kilos but you can squat halfway at 130 keep squatting to full depth yeah. until you can get to 130 mm-hmm. and then that half rep that you're so in love with will be 160
1: yeah be stronger over a bigger range of motion because yeah. do you know what that means that means you're stronger
0: yeah that yeah. and guess what when i walk into a gym and i see somebody squatting full depth my eyes light yeah, up yeah you're like damn it's like <laughs> rainbows rainbows and glitter yeah, yeah. pour out my eyes mm-hmm. see when i see somebody going to like halfway a little bit of blood
2: yeah
0: (laughs) it's like a little a kitten dies a little blood tear just trickles down my face
1: (laughs) oh play yeah
0: true um so what can we say you've never done any fitness before you want to start crossfit start it's the
1: place to be it's perfect come
0: it is like the perfect beginner environment
1: yeah because i feel like crossfit attracts a really nice group of people as well so nice like then and i think it It's because it's so humbling. Yeah. So humbling. So don't be worried that you're going to walk in and people are going to judge you. In my experience, it's just the opposite.
2: You will
0: never find... Well, I mean, okay, I don't know. Maybe there's nicer groups of people out there, but I feel like the very nature of it breeds wonderful people.
1: Yeah. And no... Great, you're a beginner. Come, that's like the perfect time. You know, that's the perfect... Can't get any
0: worse, can you? (laughs)
1: Like, really, though, you can only get better. Yeah, but to get over that fear of, like, it's going to be embarrassing, it's going to be stupid. Hell, yeah, it is. And not everybody else is feeling the same way and just come anyway.
0: Do you know what beginners don't know as well? They get to ride a high of, like, a year of getting better at it. Yeah, quickly. Which takes me to another question. (laughs) (laughs) This is something I've came across. So when this came in, I wasn't surprised because it's something I've witnessed often over the years. Uh, I'm not getting any better... After a year of CrossFit, is it just not for me?
1: Not after your CrossFit, so. I doubt you're not getting any better at all.
0: So that, off the back of what I've just said, mm-hmm. that initial beginner gains, like they are long gone for me. <laughs> I have no beginner gains anymore. Haven't had for like the last twelve years, yeah. maybe ten, and. Uh, that wonderful trajectory of putting kilos on the bar every single time you pick it up doesn't last forever. If it did, you would be back squatting 300 kilos. Yep. Yep. Like, be realistic. Calm down.
1: Yeah, calm down. <laughs> but that's true. So when we think of like Olympic weightlifters who've been doing it for 10, 12, 15 years, they'll train a whole year hoping to add one kilogram onto their lift. Mm. That is the re- like the realistic
0: and the, view. you get people in the gym crying themselves to sleep because you know they didn't well six weeks ago six, well six weeks ago I snatched 50. How come this week I can't snatch 55?
1: So you try to explain that to people and they think they think they're terrible because they're not making gains like that yeah because like, like, they're not', not they're no
0: longer making the gains that they did in that first year yeah.
1: Sorry, guys, it just doesn't last.
0: There's a sort of um, genetic potential that you'll hit the very bottom of it. within. depends how often you train, Mm -hmm. but say within a year to two years, you'll hit the bottom of that genetic potential. Your genetic potential will still carry you quite a long way after that, but the patience and the amount of training and how much more specific you need to be about how well you do something... Mm -hmm. Really starts to come into play then, you know. Like you would still get better just like showing up and like uh, whatever. Um, you would still get better, but it would be much slower. Yes. Um, and then there's the other things to look at. So okay, so you lose those beginner gains after that year, and you've got to hundred kilo deadlift, and it's been hundred kilos for the last six months, and it's not getting any. It's not getting any heavier. Well, should it be? like are you doing everything to allow it to be heavier yeah. like are you supporting your training properly or are you just magically hoping to show up twice a week sometimes once a week sometimes you miss a week mm-hmm. and you miss the deadlifting session that, five good. times in a row but your deadlift's not going up mm-hmm. why is that beth
1: that's exactly what i was about to say <laughs> especially in cosfit maybe different if you're going to gym and you're training you're doing your own pro- programming everything um but in CrossFit, if you miss, like, one or two classes, it could be, like, two weeks before you're doing a deadlift again, you know? And then to expect that to still get better, especially after you've been doing it for a long time, it's just unrealistic.
0: So I think that's one aspect of it, is the actual practical application of your training and how you're going about it. And then the, the other aspect of it is, why are you expecting something? Like, why are you hinging your emotional happiness on getting 110 kilo deadlift like now that I've said that out loud that sounds that's some stupid shit right there yeah right it's like I love what we do I love CrossFit I love that training I love the whole strength and conditioning world like I just I love that stuff but I will stand and explain a workout to people and I'll be like right one rep max day to day you know, remember, this is your heaviest single for today. Yes. It's not necessarily your heaviest single for life, it's your heaviest single for today. Um, you know, big day, really important day, as much as it is, that shit is important at all. You know, like I'll hype it up for the day, but with a little touch of a reality check reminder, it is just lifting weights in the gym. Mm-hmm it's not saving humanity
1: (laughs) true but also i think people make the mistake of only looking at the numbers on their barbell as far as like improvement and gains and that Mm. like are you fitter are your, your gymnastics better can you do a better handstand like all those things count in crossfit as well but people solely focus on the number on the barbell like maybe you move better maybe you struggled with lunges a year ago and now you just don't at all anymore. Mm. Like, at all. All those count for gains. If you just oh, move
0: better. I have so ridden that ride. Mm-hmm. I came into, into the sport uh, fairly strong. Like, yeah. genetically fairly good as a predisposition to gaining strength. That, that's not so much. And I rode the strength ride for a long time. Competed in strongman powerlifting. Um, and I rode that strength ride a wee bit too hard and neglected the fitness side of things for a a really quite a long time and uh, (laughs) see when I decided to retire from competing in Strongman and just focus on CrossFit how quickly I got fitter and how amazing that felt. It almost felt like those beginner gains all over again. I I was just as strong so I wasn't getting gains on the strength but the gains on the fitness were phenomenal and that was after I don't know. That's seven or eight years of being in and around, yeah. you know, the functional fin- fitness like community.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I dare say that's more important. Yeah. We see this when we go to competitions. There'll be people that can have like, I don't know, one hundred and twenty snatch, and they get first in that event, but then they're fifteenth in the rest because they're not fit enough. I like you're attacking me. No, I'm thinking one person. <laughs> that, person. It's not, that person
0: that <laughs> 120
1: (laughs) kilogram snatch
0: when did I miss that? I feel personally (laughs) attacked.
1: (laughs) No, but I'm like it's true, like, you know, I guess suppose for me as well. Um but it is like how how your strength only gets you so far in CrossFit where it becomes irrelevant. Irrelevant. Doesn't matter how much heavier my deadlift gets now. I'm still shit at handstands. It doesn't
0: matter It's true. I think um there's a bunch of aspects to that. It's like I think people ride off the back of how good CrossFit makes them feel in the first year or so. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Like they're doing this brand new thing. Everything's a novelty. You know, they're learning all these new movements. They feel really empowered in a way that they never have done before. And then, you know, like any new thing, the newness subsides and it becomes something that they do routinely instead. And that shininess that carried them through, those beginner gains that carried them through, Like, they're not going to stay. But think realistically about what else it gives you. Community. Mm -hmm. So important. Like, that's another conversation in and of itself. So important to surround yourself with like-minded people, good people. Mm -hmm. Like, I cannot emphasise that enough. So it gives you that. It gives you, like, a confidence that you didn't know that you could have through gains in learning things. Uh, through being more in touch with your physicality, through challenging yourself and overcoming things that you found difficult.
1: Mental fortitude.
0: Doing things that are, um, like, so choosing to go into a situation that's adverse, that that gives you adversity. Like, you go into a workout that's going to be really hard, and then you push yourself really hard, and you chose to, nobody made you, you chose to do that. So think about all those things that it gives you and don't just be looking to add two kilos onto your deadlift.
1: Yeah. That is just one very small part of like the CrossFit circle. Yeah. The adding the kilograms onto your yeah. barbell and what you get from it.
0: Yeah. All the other things it gives you, honestly, are so much more important.
1: Yeah. And yeah,
2: actually
0: I've got nothing else to say about that. Yeah. You're, you're, like My deadlift's gone up. It's also gone back down. Yeah. It used to be 150. I think it's about 125, 130 now. Yeah. But you can So, cry me a river over your... <laughs> okay. That's
1: actually, must be one of the hardest
0: things. Um, I think I started in CrossFit a bit older than a lot of people. So, I was 30. I'm 45 now. And uh, I think having started a little older, it's a wee bit different because i never had that... Uh, like I was injured all through my twenties, mm. so I never had that real like whoa, in your twenties doing CrossFit thing. I never, I'd, I've never known that. Um, so I think, I think as you get older, maybe it's going to be different for everybody. But for me, anyway, um, I was just I don't know. I was like so grateful to be able to do something for one after being injured for so long. I was so grateful to be able to do something that was so forgiving to my injuries. And that allowed me to be good at something, you know, mm. and that's that's my personal perception of how I was doing. Um, that as I gained strength fairly easily, I gained strength over the years. I think that that timeline of gaining strength and becoming what people would describe as as strong. Uh, there was a sort of maturity in there that allowed me to then go, doesn't mean I'm a better person.
1: Yeah. yeah, what does that really mean?
0: Like it's yeah. nice to have a 150 deadlift, but it didn't make me a better human being. Like I'm not a nicer person for it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm, not, I'm not better than you.
2: Yeah.
0: Like, and so like that number just, I don't know, it doesn't really mean that much to me anymore.
1: So true.
0: That's such a good point. I just see these days, I'm happy to get better at whatever I can get better at. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to enjoy where I'm at, which actually brings me on to another question. There was a couple of questions about competing. Okay. Uh, okay. When is, okay? We'll just start with this one. Yep. Um. When is it okay to start competing in CrossFit? I've been doing CrossFit for a couple of years and don't know if I'm being silly wanting to compete. I know I can't win, so what's the point, if that makes sense? Oh, <laughs> oh goodness. Well, unless you're Tia Clear to me, then.
1: Who knows? <laughs> I know. Going <laughs> um, across for years. So from a very, like, like practical sense, when you go to enter a competition, they've got standards.
0: Well, you, you started cross, you You competed in your first year, didn't you? Yeah, or after yeah. about a year, yeah. was that-
1: I could? Um, yes, so I just had no intention of competing. I thought I was done with competing in general, um, but you just can't hold me back from competing. It's just in me intrinsically. Intrinsic um, no, just do it. It's the best experience ever. Even if you, you can do it, like less than a year, like way before like I competed. But what I was going to say, like practical sense, you need to know they'll have like set standards of what you need to do.
0: So it might be worth just interjecting here and saying that uh, there is. A lot of scaled competitions out there
1: yes that
0: beginner friendly
1: you explain, explain that better than i did and they'll tell you what you need to be able to do so if you can do them then yeah go compete because you meet all the standards if you can then you have to maybe train a bit longer and be able to do those things before you go compete um, so say
0: for example to just to clarify like mm. say for example they said that you have to be able to do deadlifts at 50 kilos yes and you're like okay, I can do like five at 50 kilos. Is that is that okay? Yeah, probably is actually. Yeah. Probably is. You're, you're there thereabouts. It probably yeah. is. Because you already know in advance, like you're not necessarily going there to try and win. You're going there for the experience. Yes. And well, that's what I'm getting from the question. They, they love the idea of the event. They love the idea of the, the excitement of going to compete. But they're like, is it stupid because I'm still a beginner or I've not been doing, what do they say? They've been doing it for a couple of years actually. So they probably are well capable of competing.
1: Oh yeah. That, uh, see the feeling you get competing. Like it is the best, like you walking out to the floor and like people are looking at you and it's like, just do it. Oh, it's so good. And the, it'll bring out a side of you that you've probably not seen in class or there's this thing right as well. Like, I always tell myself, have no expectation. Like You expecting yourself to win is ridiculous because you don't know who's showing up on the day. Um, you don't know how you're going to feel, how you're going to sleep. A million factors come into it. The only expectation you can have of yourself at any competition, no matter how fit or strong you are, is to just do your best on each event. And I promise you, if you do your best, and 110%, you will walk away happy.
0: Off the back of that, Uh, question there's another one that's about being too nervous to compete. I'm too nervous to compete but also I'd really like to. Uh, How do I work on my anxiety?
1: depends what the anxiety is about I
0: guess. So I guess the anxiety is just about competing. In general. So I've actually been asked this face to face on a number of occasions over the years. Um, I think people interpret it differently. It's, It's similar to the first question. Yes. Or the other question about competing but this is one of these ones where there's actually an actionable thing you can do to change how you feel about going into something that makes you anxious. Mm-hmm. And that is to start telling yourself that you're excited, not anxious.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And just try it, mm-hmm. honestly. I heard about this off. It was something to... Oh, who was it? It doesn't matter. Anyway, it was, they were talking about Sorry. it in terms of flying. And they were saying that they, they had always been nervous and like terrified of flying, like a lot of people. And they started changing the narrative to, I'm, I'm really excited to go to this destination. I'm really excited to go to this conference. I'm really excited to go and visit these people. And uh, you can trick your body, basically, into interpreting its signals because apparently um, anxiety and excitement are very similar physical yeah, feelings. You're right.
1: I've heard about that in counselling, And um, people who suffer with anxiety. Um, the last year, like, all, like, what do you think's made it worse? Blah blah blah. Things that cause you in- excitement can have an adverse reaction mm-hmm. to your body. Can make you more anxious because of what you've just said they run a lot, run along the same kind of like lines. So what you're saying makes complete sense to trick your body into thinking that anxiety is excitement. Because yeah. they're very similar and they have the same toll on your body, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I remember reading about.
0: It. I was thinking about it because I don't get nervous about competing at all. I only look forward to it. Mm. So there's. it's possible that's just how I've interpreted, naturally mm. interpreted, uh, doing things that make other people anxious. Uh, like I love public speaking and I keep hearing people say it's the most terrifying thing people can do. And I wish folk wouldn't, I wish they would drop that narrative, by the way. Yeah, it's a bit of
1: conditioning that. It is, mm-hmm. it is. And
0: I've always kind of gone, I love talking in front of people. Yeah. Why do they keep saying it's like terrifying? Mm-hmm. It's not. I think, um, with the anxiety thing,
1: or the getting nervous for competing, that is a, like, that's an expectation, there's some sort of expectation there that's causing you anxiety, you expect yourself to be terrible, or you expect it to be really hard, or embarrassing, or anything, it can be anything, but that is a, you're projecting off into the future, and you're, Placing expectations on things that you have no idea about. Like, that is what anxiety is. It's this projection into the future of what's mm. going to happen. And that's where the nerves are coming from. You have some sort of idea in your head of how things are going to go or how they could play out. You need to drop it. You don't know. You just have to embrace the unknown of the day.
0: That control. Let mm. go of the control that. and embrace the unpredictable and the unknown.
1: Yeah, uh,
0: I Your whole life will be better.
1: It will, because people want to... We play these ideas in our head because it makes us feel safer. It makes us feel safer to think we know what it's going to be like. We have no idea, and you need to accept that fact that we have zero idea. Do you know
2: what?
0: That's actually pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It's see the unknown and just like embracing that you don't know what's coming. That's exciting.
1: It is. It is exciting. It's not scary. It's exciting. So much better than what you could envision in your head as well. So much better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Love that. Uh, okay. So one more question about competing, um, which is a nice practical one. How do I eat on a competition day? Mm. So I do, how do I feel myself when competing? Um, so there's a lot of answers to this uh, because it depends a little bit on your experience. So if you've got if you're going in with zero experience of competing, I would say take food that you normally eat. Mm. Do not take anything spicy, anything fatty, anything that potentially could upset your stomach, mm. and don't eat anything like that in the night before either. Yep. So do not go out for an Indian or a curry or something the night before. Um, like just eat very plain stuff that you would normally eat. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, I usually go for like steak and rice or something the night before. Um, And then on the day, again, see if somebody from your gym goes, oh, try this on the competition and they hand you like some pre-workout or something. Just no. Yeah. See, unless you've tried it in the gym Mm -hmm. beforehand, do not take that with you on competition day. Mm -hmm. You want just very predictable, very reliable sources. Chicken, sweet potato, rice. Uh, and if you want things that you can eat throughout the day, I'll be honest, you might not eat throughout the day.
1: Yeah, it's hard.
0: Like, I'm going to say, like, you want to try to, but also be realistic about, so s- competitions can seem very big. You might have three events in a day, but realistically, it's probably less volume than you normally do in the gym. And by volume, I mean actual time spent training. You'll put more effort in, you will try harder, So it will feel very demanding, but the demands is as much like the adrenaline rush Mm -hmm. and the excitement as it is actual physical, like pure physical output. So you probably don't really need like extra fuel. Your challenge is actually to fuel at all.
1: That, see when the nerves are going through you and you come off a workout and you're like feeling a bit sick because you went like all out. The thought of eating is like, ugh, ugh. My best advice is, like, don't eat, like, big meals. Like, smaller, just more consistently, I think. Because, like, you don't want to be going onto the floor super full, you know? Yeah,
0: so it depends how... You've got to look at how are the workouts spread throughout the day mm-hmm. and what, what workouts... So if you've got just a strength workout, like a one-rep max or a complex or something, yeah, you might be able to eat a bit more before that mm-hmm. one because it's not going to involve you jumping about. Mm-hmm. But if you've got something with... Burpees and box jumps, <laughs> you know,
1: On a full tummy.
0: <laughs> or like loads of toast to bar or something. Yeah. Right, you don't want it to be packed full. Um, like you'll see a lot of like the mayhem athletes. What's it Sour Patch Kids? By the way, they were disappointing. I bought a bag of Sour Patch Kids. Oh, yeah. I saw them. I don't know where I was, Aldi or something. And uh, I thought, oh, Sour Patch Kids. That's what everybody at mayhem eats. Uh, they were, they were not. Gross. They were not what I wanted them to be. Do you
1: know one of my first like experiences with competing? And I remember you telling me, go get, like, some sort of, like, really quick, you know, digesting sweeties, mm. like haribos or something. And I remember hoping that it, I could have got away with, like, chocolate or something instead. Because <laughs> I don't like sweeties. But you told me it had to be those, so. <laughs> but I just, I can't I imagine. don't like sweets.
0: I'm just imagining eating chocolate on a competition No, day. I
1: really, like, I would have been really happy, but, like, for it to be, like, harbots and, like, boils. You can imagine Halloween was a really disappointing time. Because okay, I don't like sweets like that. <laughs> Actually, um, I try to
0: interject with that. I mean, chocolate does it serve much of a purpose on the competition day? I mean, you could probably yeah. could you could eat chocolate. I like guess. Like I'd rather eat yeah. some like Reese's Pieces
2: than yeah. Like, I some mean, you horribles. you
0: probably you probably would that would be fine, right? Mm. I wouldn't. Yeah. But so Actually, like, yeah. the long the, the long and the short of it is is that you've got to find like maybe just like a protein shake with some dextrose in it. Mm-hmm. You know. Um. Like if you're really going to struggle to eat on the day, like make sure at least you have some protein powder along with you remember, with some dextrose.
2: I remember
1: in my last competition, I'm just so centre because it's funny coming out after a workout or like going on to before one and like eating the horrible and being like <laughs> 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 and like having to make myself
0: chew on that <laughs> and they were making me feel a bit sick and I was like oh. <laughs> um, the other one that's not not mentioned there, a couple of things that's maybe worth considering is it's a bit environmental depending on where you're at on the day like how hot it is um make sure you're drinking plenty of water mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and have some electrolytes with you as well yeah, like, I think maybe those are the sort of low hanging fruit things that are overlooked so water and electrolytes um that could really help you out on the day too so there's not like a magic formula for it it's a wee bit trial and error uh, test test out some stuff just make sure you bring plenty of stuff with you yeah it's better to have it and not eat it than not have it and end up buying a burger or something on the mm-hmm. day. Don't do that. I mean, maybe do that, but I'd say don't do that. <laughs> uh, okay, so a couple of questions about... Yeah, okay. I love the CrossFit style of training but the whiteboard thing is stupid. (laughs) I feel that sometimes. (laughs) Um, Why do we have to publicly say how we got on? Uh, It really annoys me and has made me skip days I know I won't do very well on.
2: Mm -hmm. Has
0: it made you? (laughs) Um, So I'm laughing because there are... I've played around with this over the years actually not having a whiteboard. Yeah. Um I favor it overall. We do use a whiteboard in our gym. Um I do favour it overall. Um why I think it's I think if you go about it the right way as a gym, it's a real positive.
2: Yeah.
0: If you go about it the wrong way, it's a competition
2: mm. and it's
0: a judgment. Yep. And we've done this really carefully. Where, so here, here's something to think about. When you're asking, as a as a coach, when you're asking people for their scores, don't just say well done to the people who did at RX. Mm-hmm. Don't just say well done to the person who got the fastest time. Keep your consciousness available and switched on for the person who's not been coming for very long, but. They moved really well, yep. or they used a slightly heavier weight than they have done before, or they just tried really hard,
2: yep.
0: like, or even none of the above. Still, give them the holy shit. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, make sure that that whiteboard is about people's personal experiences and not about the experience of like a hierarchy. Yeah.
1: Completely. You could have a workout and somebody could do RX and it could look horrible. You know, like they <laughs> yeah. are just when you could have somebody that's maybe this is what I always think about this. Somebody who's really small. OK, you might t- might take you years before you're even close to doing the RX weights because just of your physical like stature. Mm-hmm. That does not mean you are weak, like relative to your body and your body weight and everything. You're strong. You could be stronger than the people who are doing it RX. So the RX thing is very, it doesn't always mean what you think it means no. at all. Because
0: here's, here's, just to your point there, right? People look at me and they go, well, but you look like you'd be physically strong, right? So I get that. Because <laughs> I'm a little bit bigger, right? But I could compare myself to a girl that I used to compete with in Strongman. And she went on to be world's strongest woman.
2: Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> I could compare myself to her, mm-hmm. but guess what? I can't strict press a hundred kilos. Damn. She's maybe an inch or so taller than me. Mm-hmm. You know, bigger because she is strongest woman in the world. <laughs> uh, so, who are you comparing yourself to? Yeah. You know, be so careful of that because we tend to compare ourselves to the people that are right next to us. But I promise you, you might be the baddest ass in that gym, but I could take you to it because I know the other people out there. I could take you to any number of gyms where you are not that hot. Mm -hmm. Be really careful. Who are you comparing yourself to? Because if you are the weakest person in your gym or the least fit or whatever it is that you think of yourself, I could also take you out onto the street and show you any number of people who you would surpass.
1: Yes. It's so relative to who's around you and the scores in the board and what they mean. Like, honestly, it doesn't really mean, it only means something in relation to where you were in the past. I think that's one of the, like, yeah. the best aspects of keeping a whiteboard is I think you try harder to beat the score you've maybe previously had or beat the numbers. But as far as like other people on the board, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because there's so many um, factors that come into play with yeah. those scores.
0: Honestly, I could do the same workout two weeks in a row and get completely different scores. Yeah, I might even see. use different weights. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because guess what? I know it doesn't matter overall. Do you know? Like even comparing yourself to yourself, you have to be a wee bit careful of that too, right? Once you've done this for long enough, you become really sort of in tune with like, why like why are you training? Like, what are you doing? Okay, so progress is nice. We would all like to keep getting better. But as I mentioned before, I used to have a 150 deadlift. Now it's 125, 130. And I can very casually say 125, 130, because guess what? It would depend what I could manage on the day.
2: Yeah.
0: It's not reliably 130. Mm-hmm. Actually, I don't even know if it's 130. It might not be. Like might like, right today. Maybe it's one ten. Yeah. Look how not bothered I am.
1: That it's so <laughs> I think we, we were talking about this earlier when we were talking about people coming in and expecting each time they come in to be adding numbers on No. No. I I think I've I've back squatted three at 110 before and then last week I was having a terrible day last week. And I think I squatted two at 107 and it was horrific. It felt so hard Mm. and they were ugly and that's okay. I've not gotten weaker. It's just the day. And like, uh, so
0: like what, I think I just keep coming back to this. Like, why are people training? If you're training to be the best at CrossFit, you got your work cut out, right? I'm not going to tell you that you can't be, but you've got your work cut out. If you're training to be the best in your gym, I'm going to say again you've got your work cut out.
2: Uh-huh.
0: It's not as difficult but how good are the other people in your gym?
1: Yeah. And it's so like that's just based on like outside factors as well things you can't control.
0: Like so what I would like people to focus more on is how is this making you feel better in your everyday life?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like I think it's something CrossFit can be quite consuming in terms of performance and tracking and this is where the whiteboard is it good is it bad I think it's harmless as long as your mentality is in the right place yeah. as long as psychologically you are in the right place and that is looking at uh, like I love competing right I've competed competed thousands of times hundreds at least <laughs> and uh, very, i very, very I won quite a lot at strong women but I've I've not had that same sort of performance at CrossFit. It does not put me off competing because competing for me is not, it sounds so weird, but it's, it's not about winning. Like if I win, I'm going to be stoked, but I am under no illusion that that makes me the best CrossFitter out there.
2: Mm-mm.
0: I was just, I just did well on that day against the people who I happened to be competing with. Mm-hmm. I have won strong women competitions because three other people showed up. Mm -hmm. instead of 10 or
2: 12
0: you know so like who are you competing against does that really make you like the best crossfitter on the planet well I mean even if you win the crossfit games there could still be some kid out there somewhere training in their garage that is actually better than you we
1: don't really know exactly It's
0: it's so fake I suppose that's what I'm getting at it's so fake but if you take the training that you're doing and you look at how it makes your everyday life better so I upped my training in the last couple of months and uh, so I'm sort of doing a bit better again but do you know what really gave me a buzz was I was out kayaking one day and I picked my canoe up to carry it down to the water and I felt so it felt so easy to carry it that was what mattered to me
1: yeah that's people forget why they're training yeah they forget them when they come to class that's training time you could maybe look at a competition as like your test time
0: but fun time. Fun time, Experience. You but know? when
1: you're in class, that's training. So what we often see is people will, they will move worse just to get a better score on the board.
2: Yeah.
1: That. <laughs> or we see people, they'll power things instead of like squatting them because they'll get a better score on the board. But what other time have you got, if you're just coming to classes, to practice squatting yeah. your thing like, like a... Scotch the word yeah. alluded me there. Yeah. Um, it's don't treat every class like it's a test of like you're trying to get the best score. Like it's training, practice the things you're shit at. I keep saying apologies.
0: <laughs> I think I honestly I could talk for days about the psychology behind why people think it matters to have the best score on the whiteboard. I could I could talk all day and all night about it and why it doesn't matter. No. There's so much about who you are as a person. That is worth looking at, if you think it is really important to get that best score on the whiteboard. Mm. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't get a little buzz out of it, because you are just nah, you are well just human, human right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, oh, it's that same little buzz that you would get if you got best test score at primary school, you know, for snakes and ladders or something. It's like it's it's okay to have that little buzz because we we do work in tribes and we do work in sort of sort of small hierarchies, but to think that it means any more than that outside of that class is, yeah. is um, you got it wrong uh, oh right okay this one so uh, that we've kind of already answered that one so that's fine um, so this one I think this one's worth addressing uh, before we wind up and it's something that injuries long term injuries so what do they say I have an injury and it's really getting me down I hurt my shoulder over a year ago did I write I think I wrote this question (laughs) (laughs) I hurt my shoulder over a year ago and it's just not getting better I think I might have to stop training completely but don't know if that's the right thing to do um long-term injuries so wow maybe this is an episode in itself but to try and address like I think so what's important about injuries um one is it doesn't mean you need to stop I think that's the crux of that that question it does not mean you need to stop um but why are you not getting better right you're aggravating the injury all the time (laughs) okay so you keep you, you keep stopping it from getting better um, if you haven't, then you need to go and see a physio. Yep. Please don't put your name just down on the NHS waiting list. Oh my
1: God, don't.
0: <laughs> I mean, if you have to, right? Okay, fine. Do 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 that. But um, and you might get lucky, right? You might get. You might not have to wait six months for an appointment, and you might get somebody that does sport and gets why you want to be able to use your shoulder and doesn't just say to you, "Yeah, don't do that." Uh, ideally, I would suggest that you seek out a good private physio that has a track record of working with athletes not just somebody who does like rehabs old people who have fallen yep and that sounds a bit i don't want that to sound patronizing i want that to sound like just i want you to have the tools to find the right help Mm -hmm. so do a bit of research and try and seek out a physio who has experience working with athletes because they won't just flippantly turn around and tell you to not do it They will try and help you find a way to keep training while making your shoulder or whatever injury you have better. Mm -hmm. And that's probably going to require some diligent rehab from you. Um, Them Going along to a physio and them telling you what to do by way of rehab and then you going home and not doing the rehab is not going to make you better.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Like, take some ownership over yourself. Take some ownership over your health. And if you've been plagued by that shoulder injury for a year to the extent that it's now making you wonder if you should stop doing something you enjoy, then have you really been trying to make it better during that time? Or are you just hoping it will go away?
1: Yeah, you are talking about the point I was going to make. I've not had too many injuries, but I've worked with people who do, and I've spoken to a lot of physios, and I know physios' frustration... As in giving clients exercises mm-hmm. to do, and they don't do it. It's like people trying to get people to do mobility. They don't do it. And I know personally people who have suffered with things like their back and whatever, shoulder injuries, um, and they just don't do the things at home. Get real with yourself. Get real. Why would your shoulder and your back get better if you're not actively doing things to make it better?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That is my... I suppose that's the thing that annoys me the most so
0: with yeah. injuries. So I'm going to add on to this a little because, I, as you know, I've had a lot of experience with injuries. <laughs> um, for those of you that have got injuries that won't just go away with either physio or uh, hopes and dreams, um, that's different. So for those of you that don't know, I was very long-term injured, critically injured Uh, and it wiped me out for the whole of my 20s and it's still that the injury um, still creates problems for me now Mm -hmm. so how do I deal with that because people come to us all the time with you know I've got this injury and they're sad and you know so what have I learned over the years from dealing with that one there's only an end if you give it an end Mm -hmm. So I I could have chosen to not exercise because most of the problems that I have only show up when I'm pushing my limits. Generally speaking, if I just go about my daily life, I don't have any problems. So you could argue, well, just stop doing the thing that causes the problem. And you can see, you, like, yeah. that was the question, right? Mm-hmm. Should I just stop doing this thing? So, why haven't I? Why have I chosen to keep pushing as if I'm just like hammering a, a nail and just like boom, boom? Like, what am I doing? Yeah. Like, why just keep pushing when something keeps causing me problems? More so in the past, still now, though, now and again, still now. Um, because there's so much more to get out of it than just the problem. Yeah. Now, I could, um, I think, like, injuries are so intrusive mm-hmm. in your, your mind. Like, they can feel very, uh, like, I, I was depressed after my, my injury first happened. That's That's got as much to do with I was in a lot of pain, constant pain, couldn't sleep. Sad story. Um as it has to do with, like, dealing with the incapacitative nature of the injury. Yes. But I think people become their injury a little bit sometimes. Like, they, they get so absorbed by what it stop, stops them from doing that they, I don't know, maybe they give in to it.
1: Yeah, I think that dealing with something that leaves you feeling a bit like debilitated, yeah. like that's really hard.
0: It is, and I, like I can think of a number of people just off the top of my head who have injuries that they're dealing with just now, and they're trying to keep training and they're trying to find a way forward. Now, what I would say if any of those people are listening is, you are finding a way forward.
2: Yeah.
0: You're, you're, you're not. You've not given up.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like you are finding a way to keep going, even if it's maintaining. Like, see, even if what you're doing at the moment is just maintaining your fitness. I'm going to take that word just out of it. That matters.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That matters. And like I was told things like I would never walk properly again. I'd never be able to do this. I'd never be able to do that. And um, there was there was so many things that I was told that uh, like you're screwed. Basically, give up. You're you're fucked. <laughs> um, I I don't know. I guess I just chose not to. Like, if you give up, what is there?
1: That. That is what, you've got that decision to make. You either, what they've just said, stop doing the thing so you lose all your fitness, you lose all your strength, but then you don't have to deal with injury. Or you can decide to keep going, but also work at the injury. Yeah. Do the stuff the physio gave you. Do the hard things that you don't want to do. Those are your two options, you know? And you've just got to decide.
0: Yeah. I think um, there, there's so many degrees of what your injury might be and where that might leave you. And what that that journey might look like for you. Mine's has been a very long journey, mm-hmm. and the reality is is that my journey actually might get worse again in the future. Mm-hmm. So I could end up with because it's a hip injury, I could end up with arthritis in that joint, and you know maybe a hip replacement, maybe 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 not. Yeah. You know I don't know. I don't live uh, in the fear of the future though, mm-hmm. so I kind of go well. What can I do just now? And that was what I kept trying to ask myself during that long period of time where I was in a lot of pain. So I had done, at the time it happened, I, I did martial arts, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, or vale Tudo as it was then, and uh, Thai boxing. And I very quickly found I couldn't do those things anymore. No surprise. <laughs> um, so then I tried to find other things. So I tried to run, couldn't run. Um, I I tried like hill-walking stuff, couldn't do that. And eventually I found cycling, and cycling was very forgiving because it allowed my right leg to carry my left leg. And cycling sort of gave me a way forward, so CrossFit wasn't in the UK at that time. And uh, then subsequently I found CrossFit. And CrossFit was so adaptive to any problems that I might have been experiencing that I could accommodate the problems as they arose and like that's that it is one of those classic ones I never looked back yeah. I never looked back from there it just it, it allowed me to keep training really no matter what I and I've had other injuries since then I've got nothing to do with that original one like shoulder injuries and hand injuries and wrist injuries and just the things that you get from uh, using your body to do stuff yeah um although plenty of people get overuse injuries from this is it that way?
1: No, I know we were just we my. CrossFit phone. <laughs> right there, Anne.
0: I don't scroll on my phone very much. Is it that way or is it that way?
1: <laughs> it's so hard because, like, if you don't train, right, you're weaker, your bones are weaker, your muscles are weaker. So you're actually at so much risk of getting injured even when you don't do anything. Yeah. You know, a fall could take you out. But yeah. also, when you do CrossFit, you're kind of at risk of getting injured just in a different kind of way. Any sport? That. Any sport. Do you know that? But sp- you could do nothing and still have that risk of injury.
0: Absolutely. The sport that I see most injuries actually became a bit of a joke when I, when I was in Glasgow because so many play, people played football. Down here, more people play rugby, right? Mm. Um, but folk would come into the gym and they'd be like, uh, Anne, I've hurt my knee. And they'd be like really sheepishly telling me. And I'd be like,
1: football. <laughs> football. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, maybe. Yeah, actually get so. Yeah. But
0: constant, honestly.
1: Yeah. Don't... Uh, things that look... A bit scary, like they might injure you. Like, not really. You could get injured doing anything. Yeah. Walking
2: down the stairs well, wrong.
0: I didn't get injured doing sport. Like my my big injury was in a in a truck crash.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: None to do with sport.
1: Uh, so don't let that be a reason like to stop, you know, from doing. Actually, it
0: was worth mentioning that actually. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: <one second>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, how do you deal with like so? The the last thing that I would like to just talk about on that is like the the depression side of it. Like how mentally debilitating the injuries can be—not just like the practical, like what does it stop from you from doing, but like that real deep uh, feeling of being held back, mm-hmm. um, feeling like no matter what you do, and like I know because I've lived this life, right? Doesn't matter what I do, I can't seem to get a break. I can't seem to move forward. I can't seem to get past this. Like, what are your options? There, I learned. I learned to take every difficult situation and try and get something good out of it because what's the alternative?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: The alternative is to get more and more bogged down, more and more like beat up, more and, like mentally beat up, more and more depressed.
2: Yeah.
0: And I had to scrape my way out of that depression, um, which consumed my entire life really at that time. And I had to find a way out of it by going, what are the what are the positives that I can look for here? Mm-hmm. Like, how can I turn this incredibly difficult thing into something that can make my life better? And that was so many different things. It was, a lot of it was pain for me. I was in a lot of pain. So it was a lot of, how do I cope with the pain? And that was like a lot of mental adjustment to how I viewed pain and what I thought it meant about uh. Like what I was capable of, because people can see pain as very overwhelming. I learned to just feel it, and go, okay, this is difficult, it's tiring, but look at all the things I can still do. Mm-hmm. And like that, mine. This is quite an extreme situation, but I think people will relate to it on yes. their their own levels for whatever whatever they've gone through themselves, and just keep positively looking for ways forward because the alternative is awful. Mm-hmm. The alternative is just somewhere you do not want to yeah, be.
1: nothing.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, keep looking for ways forward and you'll find them. Keep looking for positive uh, ways to address your problems. And you'll find them if you look for them. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not sitting here saying it was easy. It was, it was not, Yeah. but it is doable.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And the alternative is, is that I would have just given up and my injury would be 10 times worse now because I would have been weak. Yeah physically weak Mm -hmm. um I that would have had an even more negative effect on my mental situation you know so my uh, depression Uh, so that's my advice is always try and turn whatever it is into some sort of positive framing in your brain where you can use that to go well okay I'm going to find things more difficult but what can I do
1: Never stop trying, I guess. Yeah, That's never stop trying,
0: mm-hmm. and it it breeds its own rewards. You know, I found that I could do things that I never thought I'd be able to do again,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and 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 of that, I've I've had some incredibly positive outcomes from that. And you know, because I I've said before, it's like, do I wish it hadn't happened to me? I wouldn't want it to happen to somebody else, but no, I don't wish it. I don't wish it hadn't happened. Yeah, I mean, you might not be sitting here if it hadn't. I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think the 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 amount of positive things I've actually had out of it over the years now are huge. Mm-hmm.
1: That's nice. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah.
0: Okay, I think that'll do us for no, today.
1: Those were good questions. Indeed. Okay,
0: so we'll probably talk ab- again about CrossFit in another episode. Um, I think there's a lot there for people. And CrossFit, not just as a sport in and of itself, but because it, it it's a very demanding sport. Okay. Uh or way of training and um i think it covers like a lot of other sports as well
1: that yeah i was going to say people might find what we talk about relatable just because they do a different sport even if it's not crossfit Yeah. yeah okay so
0: thanks for listening and we will catch you in the next one